take our Bibles. In my personal reading of the Bible, I've been reading in the book of Isaiah recently. Wonderful. Well, it is wonderful, but um, unless you have the, all the answers to life, the universe, and everything, you better plan on not preaching on it. So, therefore, on a Sunday morning, I'm like, okay, Lord, I've been reading Isaiah all week. What in the world am I going to preach on? So, thankfully... God has been so very gracious the last uh, couple of weeks that whenever I ask him that question, he seems to have guided me. And this is, uh, these are the words that came out of my mouth this morning. Let's turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to read in Luke chapter 5 from verse 1. No, excuse me, we'll skip the first few verses. We'll read from verse 4 to verse 11 in Luke chapter 5. Let's read this in universe, uh, universe. unison. Luke 5, 4 through 11. Feel free to remain seated as we do this. Luke 5, 4 through 11. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Lord God, we just come before you in awe of who you are, of what you're able to do, of how you choose to do it. And as we consider this truth that is before us today, we pray that you would be exalted and glorified in our lives and in our hearts and minds so that we 
would uh, just want to live for you more and more and that you would get all the praise and honor and glory that is due your name. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. Amen. Amen. So, um, if you weren't here last Sunday, I preached um, on, I, I used... I used a big word, and I like big words because, to me, big words are actually more memorable. Um, little words that I use every day, I could easily forget those because you just use them every day. But if you have a big, huge, crazy word, uh, it kind of sticks out in your mind. And the word that we used was uh, a kind of almost a tongue twister in and of itself. Hamartiology. Harmatiology. Uh, which is the ology or the study or the knowing or the discourse of sin. And this harmatiological explosion began when Emily gave her testimony uh, several Sunday nights ago, for those of you who were here. It was very encouraging. If you weren't here, there's, um, it's available on, on the internet. But she testified about how the Lord had set her free from uh, sin in her life, and um, just though she mean, I mean, she was just given testimony. But in the course of just acknowledging some circumstances, to me, it was just this explosion of sin, how it works, what it does inside of us, and how God can set us free from it. Um, so, so that was part one. I gave part two last Sunday, based on the text. Um, that says in, in Numbers 3223, uh, it says, uh, be sure that your sin will find you out. And based on that brief sentence, we thought about some things about the nature of sin. Um, and um, just, I guess this would kind of be on the same subject. Obviously, the punchline here are Peter's famous words, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. And, you know, we just sung about how Jesus is our, our rescuer. And, of course, to me, chiefly, he rescues us from ourselves, from sin to some degree, a large degree, whatever degree that may be. And, of course, from hell, the, the final punishment and uh, for a life of rebellion against God, Jesus rescues us from these things. But it seems strange in a way to me that we would talk about God and worship God, and now we're actually going to talk about sin, which is something that God doesn't want, right? It's, it's not his will. You know, we, we spoke earlier how sin um, probably, to me, in its highest definition, is a falling short of the glory of God. If the nature of God, God is beautiful, and he's radiant. That's his glory. And to me, the, the highest standard that, that I hold myself accountable to is uh, that what that old bracelet says, you know, what would Jesus do? Or is this, is this according to the beauty and the glory of God? You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to rationalize or excuse a certain behavior in your life and say, oh, the Bible doesn't say anything about this or that? Or... And then you think, well, really, what is the Lord's prayer? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
So is what I'm doing, saying, or being right now really what it's going to be like in heaven? Is that really what I'm going to do in the presence of God? If the answer is no, then um, probably something that we want to trust Jesus to help us with, right? Yes. A.K.A. sin. <laughs> um, but it seems, it seems strange to dwell on, 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 on this. Uh, if you want to euphemistically say, you know, sin is just, it's not, when we sin, we're not doing God's will. So why would we dwell upon our propensity to not do God's will at times, even though we want to do God's will, but we either fail to do God's will or something. Um, and this may sound strange, but to me, God is glorified in it. And you're like, oh, brother, Pastor Nicky, you're sailing kind of close to some pretty heretical areas right now. I mean, doesn't Paul even lay that forth in, in, in one of his arguments? You know, what shall we say then? Shall we say we're going to go and sin in the more that grace may abound even more? But, uh, you know, God has a will. And he's big enough to know how to deal with it when his will is not achieved. Could I even say that? It, it even blows my mind. But here we find this remarkable comment from Peter, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want to take a second to look at this and um, just consider, consider the, this passage a little bit. But and prior to his statement, um, the disciples, as uh, professional fishermen, f found themselves in some uh, remarkable circumstance. Um, they were told after... Jesus' discourse to launch out into the deep and to, uh, to cast out their, net, their, their nets. Simon in verse 5 said they toiled all night and they've, they've not caught anything. Now, I always chuckle at that, and again, the context of them being professional fishermen. I mean, we're not talking, you know, Nate, about recreational fishing here. You know, went out, hoped to catch fish, didn't get anything. Oh, well, it'll be a better day another day, you know. Professional fishermen, the guys that are they're supposed to know how to do it. They're supposed to be experts and it's, it's their livelihood, you know. Um, it's pretty emasculating, you know, for a guy to fail in the very thing that he claims to be good at. You know, I might not know this, I might not know that, but I'm a fisherman and I know how to catch fish. Yeah, that's men. Um... <clears throat> And I think probably Peter was the kind of guy that would have to toil all night and catch nothing to take someone else's advice, right? Do you ever think that you're a little bit like that too? Yeah. Uh, that you can, it's hard to hear people um, unless God graciously shows you actually how much of a failure you really are. And by the way, when I talk about being a failure... Or any of these things. I don't know about how you take it, but um, to me, there's no, there's no self-pity in it. There's no condemnation in it. It's all just for the glory of God. Because right. I, I, don't, I don't know about you. Some people are afraid of the word failure. I don't think it's anything to be afraid of. I mean, it just means you attempted to do something and you didn't do it. There's no shame in that. Uh, so, um, but I think that for some of us, 
we, need, we actually need some help from God just to be able to get some advice from God or even from other men. And uh, actually failure can be a wonderful backdrop to, uh, to aid us in revelation. You will always want revelation, aren't we? We want a revelation. We want God to show us this and tell us that. Okay. Go away and fail for a while. And then we'll see. You'll have some help in your heart about being open to suggestion. God knows how to bless us. Thank you, Jesus. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Verse 5. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now, God, my overall point here is that it doesn't, whatever you think of yourself, and for, for this application, I'm going with the presumption that at different times, most of us struggle to see our own sin or the extent of it. Now, we know that is true for those who have not yet met the Lord or know the Lord. They actually think they're good people. Self-righteousness and believing that you're a good person, to us, having met the Lord, having started that journey, is like so obvious. But it's the classic stumbling block of the unbeliever, of the person who has not yet met God, that they honestly think they're a good person. And where they get that from is from comparing themselves to other people. And as I lay this out in all its simplicity, it seems so obvious. But it is, in all its simplicity, it is the deception that keeps people bound for years, months, years, decades, God forbid, for all their lives. <clears throat> but even though we know that that is the classical thing that God and His grace helps us to overcome just to make our first step into the kingdom, that doesn't go away, does it? Somehow, part of sin, part of our humanity, is that we struggle to acknowledge our own sin or to realize the extent of our own sin or we may be awakened to our sinfulness in general but there may be a specific sin in our lives that we are totally blind to. And we have those times when things are going good and a second ago, we spoke about um, failure in, in a business term or in some kind of endeavor. But talking about spirit, spiritual success or failure, we have those times when the spiritual circumstances seem to be going pretty well. And we feel kind of spiritual. Maybe God answered one of our prayers. Maybe, we, maybe the Holy Spirit led us into some endeavor and God's signs were so strong that he was the one that... And we were just like, wow, God, this is like amazing. Like maybe you're coming off of a trip to Jerusalem, you know. Or you're just driving along the road in your car. There's no other human beings present. Okay. Always makes for a good situation for feeling pretty sinless, right? There's no other human beings present. 
So you're not struggling with anything, or at least you don't think you are. Remember, sin is anything that we think, say, or do that falls short of the glory of God. There didn't have to be, and it may become more obvious when other people are present sometimes, but even when we're alone, right. what we think or say to ourselves or the air can fall short of the glory of God. But anyway, you might be driving along in your car, just listening to Christian radio, no one else is there except for you, kind of plain sailing, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you're feeling pretty good, pretty spiritual and all. But God has this ability and his sovereignty is only he can do to flip a switch to create some circumstances, to tweak a couple of circumstances, and in seconds or minutes, you can be before God on your face saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O God. Have you ever noticed that? You're probably more spiritual than I am. I've noticed it. <laughs> How God can, and this is where the disciples were at. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ incarnate, God himself, engineered circumstances to put them in a position of revelation, to put them in a position of Peter, in this case, seeing himself. And a marvel at God's ability to do that. Even in this case, God was able to make them succeed in such a miraculous way, he chose to bless them and that blessing and that success actually broke them because it said there wasn't enough, the, the boats could not take it to the point where they were going to sink. Remember what I said? We walk on such a thin ice of our present circumstances. Our circumstances could change immediately, in multitude of different ways that God could tweak in a second. And it would pull back the veil right. to eternity. It may pull back the veil to our own sin and our own sinfulness, but God is able to do that. And here, they actually, I don't know if they were afraid, maybe they thought they were going to die. I don't know how good of a swimmers these professional fishermen were. Because Jesus already told them, they weren't paddling around, you know, he already told them, launch out into the deep and put it. We had the, the blessing and privilege of, of being on a, on a sailboat last week out in Lake Michigan, a mile, a mile and a half out. That's a pretty good chunk of water. And if you go in, you already know you ain't swimming back. And it's deep. These guys, they were about to sink. That piece of wood that they were floating on was that thin line between them and their circumstances changing drastically and immediately and suddenly things in their hearts were changing. God has an ability to use circumstances to that effect. We've all experienced it many times and may God help us. We had this old phrase in business whether you think things, if you think, how, how is it we used to say it? Because sales is a really up and down business to be in, so you need a lot of these kind of phrases to keep you going. But um, it, whether you think things are going good or bad, the chances are they're probably not as good as you think they are, and they're probably not as bad as they think you are, they are. And there's like a lot of truth in that. I don't know if it's in the Bible, but there's a lot of truth in that, you know. 
Um, but so their circumstance was this piece of wood that was holding them. And suddenly, God blessed them so much, they were about to sink in the middle of the lake, and they were open to revelation. God can do that in our lives. He can use circumstances wonderfully. Let's <laughs> praise him for it next time. Thank you, God. I need to see something here that I couldn't have seen unless you engineered these circumstances in my life. So what, uh, what happened? They began to sink. That was, to sink. That was verse 7. And then it says in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it. That was the same as what Isaiah saw, said, wasn't it? When I saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, woe is me, I am undone, I'm ruined, when he saw the Lord. Now, we've all heard of the Lord, we've all seen the Lord in a certain light in our hearts, we couldn't begin a journey with him as we have, without having some kind of inner sight revelation. But isn't it wonderful as we go along in this journey and we navigate different circumstances in life, success, failure, heartbreak, mistake, whatever, we just get a diff different, different angle on the Lord and who He is. And we see, we see more of Him with our inner eye. And we need it, don't we? It's what we need more of, to see him from as many angles as possible and more of it. But it says, when Simon Peter saw it, in other words, it's wonderful to hear testimonies, miracles. Somebody over here laid hands on the sick and they were healed instantly. Someone over here knew that the Holy Spirit led them miraculously. So whatever it may be, answers to prayer. It's wonderful to hear of it and for it to happen to someone else. But when it happens to you, you personally, Suddenly, we see things, don't we? Like this was happening to Peter. All the circumstances, we just read it as black and white in our Bibles. But then he saw that net being hauled in. He saw both the boats sinking. And he saw Jesus Christ as who he really was. Not just a, not just a man before him, but the God of the universe. that could command fish to swim into a net. And could take him, them from cruising along and enjoying the lake air to being afraid for their lives in an instant. And when he saw it, he fell down, it says, at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, isn't that interesting that somehow, I mean, Jesus isn't preaching. He finished the sermon before they ever got in the boat, right? He quit. It's verse 4 said, Now, when he left speaking... Okay, so he'd quit the preaching and now they're just doing the down-to-earth stuff. And the glory of God was revealed and Peter's first response was, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Sin was the first issue that came up in the light of the glory of God, sin. And Peter, I'm imagining, was probably feeling tremendously unspiritual at this point. I don't know about you, but when I get into a circumstance and I know that my response or my actions have fallen short of the glory of God, I don't feel very spiritual at that point. Do you? I feel markedly 
unspiritual. I feel like a wretch because I don't want to sin. How about you? I don't want to sin. I think that that is, and it sounds simple in a way, but I think that is a distinction that is missing in the discussion on sin in the church of Jesus Christ. They say, like, well, I struggle with sin, and, and anybody else that's in this sin or that sin, then come on in, because we all sin anyway. Well, some of that's true, but let me ask you, do you want to sin? No. What is your response when you do sin? When you do sin, do you see it coming and say, well, I want it, and I want to do that, so I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care what God thinks, and so I sinned. But someone else that says, I see sin coming, I don't want it, get that away from me, for some reason has not yet learned how to hold the hand of Jesus through those temptations or trials, sins, and then says, oh God, please forgive me, get this away from me, I don't want it. Those are two extremely different situations, don't you think? And that's a distinction that's not been made. I find that in my evangelistic efforts. I go speak to people in the streets and they're like, oh, well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's true. But what are you trying to say to me by that statement? Are you trying to say that nobody's perfect, therefore I sin, I have no remorse over sin, and I'm going to keep on sinning? Right. Amen. No, there's some, there's some distinctions that need to be made here. Yes. Amen. Um, can't even remember where I was at now, but somewhere in this boat, I think. So Peter was probably feeling really unspiritual because he just had this, this miracle happen. You should be like, get fired up. This is amazing. We just got all these fish and, and now we're going to sink and oh God, help us. And oh man, I'm just such a sinner. I wonder what Peter was convicted about. Isn't it amazing what you can see in yourself through the craziest of circumstances? Peter just had this tremendous blessing, the biggest catch he'd ever seen in his life, a miracle from Almighty God. What did he say? I'm a sinner. I just realized, Jesus, that I've been self-reliant, not God-reliant. That's sin. Oh, it's vile. Depart from me, from sinful man. I just realized, God, that I am so excited about this catch I should be more excited about you than about this catch. I'm a sinful man. Amen. Wow. I wonder what Peter was con convicted about. But God is so amazing. He can use the most remarkable things and reveal his glory. And in the light of his glory, sin is what comes to the surface. Sin comes up as the issue. The issue. It is the issue for the lost. Your sin. Do you care? That's what's making your life miserable. It's not your credit score. It's not what the IRS are saying to you. It's not your car payments. It's your sin. How about to the saint? It's not your preacher. It's not your church programs. It's not what the, if the parking lot has the lines painted on it. It's sin. That's all it is. That's the path ahead. It's to look to Jesus for his deliverance from his rescue to the besetting sins.
that we have not yet learned to hold Jesus' hand through. And there's something in us that wants to, that wants to claim that we can't. Oh, I just, I just can't get through this. I can't, so how can God be just to even hold me accountable for this? It just happens. It's not even, no, it's okay. Just admit it. Just get it out in the open. Ask for help. Trust Jesus and he'll help. But it's sin. That's the issue that came to light in the glory of God. So Peter, feeling really unspiritual at this point, it says, fell down at his knees, saying. He fell down at Jesus' knees. He was being pretty spiritual at that point as he was feeling really unspiritual. He was worshipping God. He was giving God all the glory. He had a tremendous revelation that he was a man and that God was God. Yes. By the way, that's a revelation that we really struggle with a lot. Have you ever noticed that? Right. It's crazy. We so struggle to realize that we're not God. I was over at Sarah Martin's picking up the dog the other day, and she said to me, you know the difference between cats and dogs, don't you? And <laughs> this is about the revelation of not being God, right? And she's like, well, she's like, a, a dog looks at its owner, and its owner just showers all this love and all this affection on it and cares for it. And the dog looks, looks at the owner and says, you are just so wonderful. You are just, you're just everything. You must be God. And, and the cat comes along and the owner shows all this love and all this affection on it and cares for it and everything. And the cat looks at the owner and thinks to itself, oh, you're just so wonderful. You're doing everything for me. I must be God. <laughs> it's the difference between cats and dogs. But I think, don't you think there's a little bit of the cat in us? There's both. There's both of us. There's both in us. We're cats and dogs. We look at wonderful things that bless us and help us. And we say, oh, this is just so wonderful. This thing must be God. Okay. <laughs> or, or other things are going well. We say, this is so wonderful. I must be God. But Peter, in this moment of sin, whatever this, like I said, I've kind of postulated maybe some of what he discerned in himself. It's amazing how discernment becomes so much easier in the place of brokenness, in the place of the revelation of the power of God. <laughs> Peter, in his sinful moment, his moment of revelation of his own sin, and his moment of feeling unspiritual, is being tremendously spiritual, actually. He's worshipping God. Bless God. <laughs> you know what to do with that. Um... And he says, depart from me. It's just intuitive, isn't it? Nobody has to tell us that you can't mix God and sin. They don't mix. Somebody just needs to go out and tell our society that. And, our, and the church that. And you know what? When you do, nobody will argue with you. Everybody knows it in their conscience. You cannot mix God and sin. Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You ever felt like you wish you could sin a little bit less? 
I have. Um, why? Because sin's inconvenient? Because you don't like the feeling of being bound to the guilt that follows? You just want to be free? So it'll be better for you? More convenient for you? Nicer for you so I can feel more spiritual? Or is it for the glory of God? Could it actually be possible to want to sin less, but for that to be an ungodly desire? Didn't it say something somewhere? You ask not, but you have not, because you ask amiss. Jesus' response really interests me here. Peter, uh, Peter in this, this revelation of his wretchedness before God, basically, Jesus, you just need to you just need to get away from me. Because I'm a sinful man. What did Jesus say to him? Fear not. From henceforth, thou shalt catch men. In other words, uh, I'm wondering of what Jesus left out of that statement. I wonder if he could have said, you know, Peter, um, you kind of have this habit of giving advice to God. Remember the time Peter was like, hey, Jesus, there's too many people here to feed. You better just send them awake so they can go get fed. And Jesus says, well, if you just let off giving advice to God, uh, you feed them. <clears throat> Jesus left the commentary out on this occasion, but in my imagination, he almost could have said this. He almost could have said to Peter, um, you know, Peter, this sinfulness may be a, um, an earth-shattering revelation to you, but it's not to me. You might have not known exactly what you signed up for when you started hanging out with me. But I already saw the beginning from the end. I already knew exactly what was in you when I called you. And I did not make a mistake. And I don't take advice from piles of dust. I'm not going to be doing any departing, Peter. It's kind of like Moses. Do you remember when Moses uh, interceded for the children of Israel and uh, courageously stood in the gap between them and God? And he said, God, 
uh, if you won't do this, to, I'm kind of paraphrasing, to save Israel, then, then blot me out of your book. Do you remember when Moses said that? Yeah. Blot me out of your book. Whoa, what a crazy prayer. Right. What did God say to him? Forgive me if I don't have these words exact, but in my recollection, to paraphrase, God basically said, listen, I'll blot out of my book who I will blot out of my book. In other words, a nice courageous prayer, Peter. Uh, I'm sorry, Moses. And I appreciate the spirit of it, Moses. But no, I've chosen you. There's easier ways of blotting people out of the book than putting them in there in the first place. I'll be the one to call the shots on that one, he said, basically, to Moses. And kind of like the same here to Peter. Uh, so Jesus' response was that he, uh, he changed the subject. He just said, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. He switched the whole focus of the conversation from inward to outward. Do you notice that? Peter's like, oh man, I'm so terrible, look at me, get away from me, you can't possibly. And uh, Jesus is like, well, we got some soul winning to do, Peter. Fear not, fear not. In other words, there is one thing, Peter, that I want you to do. And that is to believe me. Thank you, Cameron. Came away with it, my hanky. Appreciate it, thank you. Fear not. In other words, have faith, because fear and faith are two opposites. You just do that. You just focus on that one thing. Whatever your fears are about your ability to overcome or who you are, whatever it is, believe me. I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that knew what I was getting myself in for when I called you. I'm the one that already saw your sin before you just got a kind of sideways revelation of it a few minutes ago. We've got some fishing to do. From inward to outward. And I think that's where um, uh, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I've had one of these kind of Peter moments, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, God. <clears throat> You're kind of reeling, kind of like, oh, how could this is so terrible, you know. <clears throat> I remember um, in my own personal journey, one time when I'd just come to Kokomo, had a tremendous time, starting to learn how to walk with God for the first time. And um, a short while later, I got myself into circumstances where I, I didn't have the same support structure and network in my walk with God and uh, kind of some compromise came in, I started cooling off uh, towards God and uh, even got myself to the place where I went to do my devotions in the morning and I thought to myself, what's the point of praying? God doesn't answer anyway. Wow. Is that a dark place? Yeah, you can figure, if you ever think that, just figure you're pretty much backslidden. Yeah, I was backslidden, you know. I was like, I just, true, I got myself into this place. And... Um, <clears throat> But uh, sometime after that, uh, I was able to come to the Shadrach Youth Retreat, and it was so tremendous, and praising God, and, you know, got me kind of rewired mentally and spiritually. And uh, they had this opportunity for the young people 
to, to come forward and to make this promise to God, you know, that you're going to be dedicated to him. And uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go forward to do it. Careful, by the way, when you, when you look at someone and you think something about someone or you judge them and the way they respond, you don't know what's going on inside their mind. Uh, some of the ones that you think are less spiritual could actually be more spiritual. Amen. And some of the outward actions that we credit as being spiritual can sometimes be tainted with mixed motives and appearances before men and stuff. So that's why we just give a lot of that to God. But um, in my case, in this particular testimony I'm just giving, um, I was just like, God, I can't, I, I want to go forward with these other young people and, you know, put my hand in the circle and be like, yeah, man, I'm going for God. I'm, but I don't, I don't trust myself. I've failed God. And I don't want to tell God again that I'm going to do all for him and turn around and fail him again. So I'm going to hold back. I'm holding back from that, you know. But I guess the reason why I'm sharing this is just to make the point is that sometimes when we have these Peter moments and we actually see our sin for what it is and God's like, yeah, there's definitely some areas that you can learn and grow in here, uh, Nikki. Um, you want to, your, your self-righteousness is crushed, you know. And the temptation is possibly to go into self-pity, you know. Woe is me. I can't make it. I'm never going to make a kind of mentality. Well, What's the point in adding injury to insult? You know, you've just found out why, how sinful you are. Why sin more by getting into self-pity? Get over it! You know, it's like our spiritual pride's kind of crushed and stuff. Oh, I can't believe I could have done this, you know. Well, God's not really that surprised by it. Get over it. Yeah. Dust yourself off. Jesus wasn't camping out. Oh yeah, Peter, you're right. I'm holy. You're unholy. I really need to separate myself from you. No, Peter, I've chosen you. I started the work. I'm going to finish the work. Fear not. We got some fishing to do. And in the process of fishing, I'll make you into the person you need to be. I'll deal with the issues in my time as you follow me. And there's where my conclusion is going. The answer is in the following says there, verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They, they forsook all. They realized that Jesus was truly worth it. Not a little bit, not even a lot of it, but all of it, everything. They walked away from everything just to follow him, and they followed him. Wonderful. And Jesus knew all about Peter. He's going to take care of Peter just fine. So that's the answer. We just got to follow him. I'll tell you the truth. I don't, this subject here that I, Start to introduce is a um, har, harm, I can't even say it myself, hamartiology. I can't get my mind around it. I don't know why any follower of Jesus Christ would ever sin at all. I mean, if God was going to rescue us, why don't he just rescue us instantaneously, never to sin again, 
and just ride on out into the sunset with Jesus, sin free. Wouldn't that be a whole lot easier? It's not been my experience, and I don't believe it's been the experience of billions of Christians worldwide. So if I'm missing something, so are all, so are, is everybody else, apparently. And I don't believe in a God that has some kind of little secret, pocket-hidden little thing that like two people ever figured out and nobody else can get in on. I don't believe in that kind of a God. I believe in a God that will show us the way and give us the answers. But while there may be questions that I can't fully answer theologically speaking, and I'm trusting Jesus for my own life just as you are, I know this. The only answer is to follow him. Say, Jesus, I'm coming with you. To whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So you said there's some fishing going on. Just show us where it is and uh, we'll get on with it. Thank you, God.